Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to see you this morning. We're really glad you came and joined us at Church of the Valley today. Um, my name is Jeep Underwood, and we're going to... Uh, we just started a series last week called uh, Family in Our Life Together. And today, we're going to... And, and actually, what we looked at last week was we looked at how the Scriptures really provide a blueprint uh, for family life, and that if we build our family according to that blueprint, then we really will build strong, uh, powerful, and encouraging families. And we also saw that when uh, when we compare our family from where it's really at with, with God's ideal, there's a real gap. And that gap, uh, the gap creates a real tension, and that, that God's grace really covers that tension, that God really cares about us, that Jesus often... He often taught and he pointed to an ideal, <clears throat> but then he refused to condemn people for falling short because the ideal is really what needs, to, what needs to be. And that even though the standard is really high, that his grace is really deeper. And that that's something that uh, was really helpful for us in perspective-wise as we really try to have better, better families. So today we're going to be looking at how to have good relationships, better relationships in our family. One of the ideals we looked at last week was just cooperation with each other. And if your family is normal, uh, you know, it's, it's not always easy to get along and cooperate. There's just, it's just the nature of family life. And, you know, cooperation is kind of a difficult thing to maintain. Especially, you know, you think about our, uh, just our, our government officials. There's a little bit of non-cooperation going on right now in our country. Uh, you know, right now we're in the middle of the longest government shutdown in history. And the Congress and the President, they're just at an impasse. They just can't cooperate. I don't want to get into that at all, but they're just at loggerheads right now. <clears throat> and so usually when I think of non-cooperation, Congress is the word that comes to my mind. And so, you know, that's, uh, that's definitely uh, where non-cooperation is in full bloom. But as I think about non-cooperation, there's a word that kind of, kind of stands out when I'm thinking about Congress, and that's the word filibuster. How many of you guys know, know much about what filibusters are? It should be. All right. You know what? Uh, you know, just trying to, you know, it's a, it's a really interesting word. You know, it's, it's actually just, you know, when someone in the Senate tries to block something they don't want to have happen, uh, and they want to kind of get their own agenda across, that's kind of what's going on with the filibuster. And it really is an interesting word. It actually started out several hundred years ago as a different word, and the word was freebooter, which is even a weirder word, but it, was, it actually was meant uh, when pirates would take over ships. Uh, they would take over the ship and then they would take all the loot off the ship and they called them freebooters. So they would jump on there and then they would just act like everything was free and they would take it. Then in the 1850s, it changed and the word morphed into filibuster, which is the word we have today. And, but it didn't mean what it means today. It actually meant, it actually was referenced to people that, uh, from the United States that were going down to Central America and trying to incite revolution. Uh, which is a strange, I can't imagine using the word in that, in that frame, but that's what it meant in the 1850s. And then about 1890, in the 1890s, the word, it changed again to the word that we, the way we use it today. And it began to be used for the senators who used that tactic of just talking and talking and talking to prevent Senate action on something in the, in the, in the Senate. It was kind of like, it's kind of like they were pirates raiding Congress to get their own political agenda across. So that's kind of with the origination of that word. Now, uh, a few years ago, uh, Senator Paul Rand, he did a filibuster for 13 hours. 
That is a long time. And you have to talk and talk and talk and talk. And you can't stop talking because if you stop talking, you lose the floor and the purpose of the filibusters is killed. And you can't leave for any reason. The only thing you can the only break you can take is when someone actually asks you a question. So some of the other guys would ask him really long questions. And so he could just take a bit of a breather. And he's trying to eat. He's got like a candy bar. He's trying to eat real quick in the middle of words. And it got a little messy. Um, but you, you can't leave for any reason. But and the, and the purpose of doing that, he, he, with him he was talking about the Patriot Act. And I'm not going to get into the, into the politics there. But... But the purpose of a filibuster is really to push outside the agenda of the Senate for the day to get something, to, the point that you want across. Now, why, why am I bringing that up? Is this, is this uh, civics 101? No, it's not. Um, you know, is there some, some dynamic, this, this, this same dynamic that I, the, of the filibuster is something that really happens in family life. There really are family filibusters. Um, you know, there's something that needs to be done. There's some something that needs some place you need to be, and someone throws a filibuster because they just don't want to do it. That's just a very, very common thing in family. And so, I just want to throw out just a few common, typical filibusters that you could see happen in your family. Uh, one is just cutting words and attitudes, cutting words and attitudes, where you know they just they're just they create friction. They uh, they create a major resistance to cooperation. People don't really want to cooperate that much, and it, it can really bring the gears of family life to a halt. And then, so that, that's that's one way you can kind of get control of things. Another another one is just the big sulk, you know, just kind of a gloomy, bad-tempered silence. So you, uh, the idea is that you know, you, I'm upset, and I'm going to be quiet. I'm going to be quietly withdrawn until I get my way. You know, all of these. Uh, all of these are things that 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 I can uh, that I can really struggle with. And then another another filibuster you can really pull is just is just sarcasm. You know, sarcasm is one way you can try to steer the ship of your family by uh, just making people feel stupid about what they're trying to get you to do. You know, that's that's just one way that you can really that's one way you can really try to get control of things. And another one is just a tantrum. Now, thankfully or hopefully. I should say, as adults, we don't give into this one too much because nothing's more or less attractive than someone, a full-grown man having a tantrum. But uh, if you have little kids at home, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's the two-year-old, two year uh, they, they throw tantrums. But as adults, we don't throw full-blown tantrums, but we do. We can really blow up in anger, really blow up in anger and just to avoid something we don't want to do. So blow up in anger until we get what it, what it is we want. And uh, these 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 strategies they really keep the family from cooperating with each other, and really accomplishing what needs to be done. And the uh, the family filibuster is a strategy to get the family to do what I want to do. So what's the what's the root? What's the root of these filibusters? These family filibusters in our family life. I'd like to look at uh, Proverbs twenty two fifteen. Solomon he gives us some insight to this. He says, "Folly is bound up in the heart of a child." But the rod of discipline will drive it far from him. That word folly, it's going to be in a few verses that we're going to be looking at here in a few minutes. But that word folly in the Hebrew is the word eveleth. And I'm not a scholar, by the way, but I do have software. So, uh, but it's eveleth. And then it literally means uh, stubborn selfishness. 
Stubborn selfishness is bound up in the heart of a child. And the rod of correction will really drive it from him, rod of discipline. Now, that's a very, I want to show you guys a video right now. It's a very familiar scene. And if you have two-year-olds, you've seen this. So let's go ahead. Let's watch this video real quick. Get it back. No, it's not yours. Finn, no. Finn. Felix, come on, Finn, Finn. Finn. Now, there were two cars. <clears throat> you know, uh, yeah, that's uh, it's, it's kind of a kind of a cute video, but it really does. It really does put really on stark display just something that's really natural for all of us. Uh, you know, self self-centeredness can get ugly real fast and it really robs the joy in family life if you if you let it take over. Um, and that that selfishness, that stubborn selfishness is really behind a lot of the family problems that we have. And it's already in our hearts. And if it's left unchecked, it can really cause real damage. And so this morning, I want to, I want to look at just some of the damage that it can cause. Just real, real, real briefly at some of the damage it can cause. And then I want to look at just some helpful advice on how, how really to avoid, how really to avoid that damage. Um, <clears throat> I'd like to go through just a couple of places where Solomon actually, he talks about this. He says, the wisest of women Builds her house, but folly with her own hands tears it down. Really, you know, that stubborn selfishness can really shows up in those cutting attitudes and remarks. And it really, it, those, those kind of remarks, they really hurt people and they really tear down people. They tear down your family. So that's something to really watch out for. There's some real damage that happens to your family, uh, because of that. And then the, I'd like to look at, uh, Proverbs 17, 12. It says, let a man meet a she-bear robbed of her cubs rather than a fool in his folly. Now this, the word, the word fool here, it's, it's kind of, it's the fool that's really given to laziness. The fool that's really given to laziness. And in fact, everything easy is what they want. That's what they really, really want is everything to be easy. And so, you know, sarcasm is actually something that can really grow out of laziness. It can be like, uh, it's easier to really poke holes in someone's logic than to really find a way to help them uh, and just, uh, you know, just try to try to prevent them from really moving forward with what they want to do. So you kind of like poke holes in their logic. And also, you know, if you use sarcasm with kids, it's really confusing to them because they take everything literally. So you say something that's kind of, 
you, know, you, you mean it, you don't really mean it, but just kind of a edge to it, but they take it literally and it, and it can really hurt them. In your marriages, you know, your wife and your husband, they get it. <laughs> and it can really drive a lot of animosity in, in your relationship. So you really want to watch out for sarcasm. It really, it really throws up a wall between you and other people. And it can cause real damage in, in your family dynamic. And then Proverbs 19.3, Solomon says, When a man's folly brings his way to ruin, his heart rages against the Lord. One of the fastest ways to ruin your life is just to fully give in to that stubborn selfishness. And it really will take you, the, the end result, the, the destination you head to is one Turn a button off while you're standing here. I don't know how I did that. It's under the bottom of that thing. So uh, did, you, did you guys see me do anything acrobatic? I didn't, I, I'm trying to figure out how I got that switch. But sorry, guys. Uh, but, you know, really, uh, you know, God's not to blame uh, for that, for turning out. Or if things turn out that way and things, and things go hard because you've given into your selfishness. But uh, he really wants to help us grow out of that. That's one thing that's really on his heart. And all of us. The truth is that all of us need to really fight the pull of selfishness in ourselves and in our families. We have to really fight against that. And so I'd like to, I'd like to look at some helpful advice on how to fight that pull in our family, how to fight that pull in our family life. Um, you know, with our last week, last week we looked at a snapshot of what Paul and Peter said was God's ideal for the family. In fact, on the screen here, in just a minute, you'll see kind of a summary of that. Okay, good. Um, we looked at husbands, love your wives and be considerate to them. Really really re- take care of them, really love them. And then wives, submit yourselves to your husband. Really respect them and follow them. And then children, obey your parents and really pay attention to what it is they, that they, they've told you to do and really put it into practice. And then fathers... Don't exasperate your children so that they really get discouraged. They can't meet your standard, and so they get really discouraged. When you look at that, when you look at that list, it's really a picture. It's a strong picture of cooperation and of good relationships. And one thing you also see there is a complete absence of family filibusters. You see a complete absence of that. You see people that are really working together and really caring about each other. But how do you how do you get there? How do you get there? Well, there's there's a f- Few places, few places in the scriptures where this list is. One of those places is in Ephesians chapters five and six, and what you find is that these these statements are really are really specific applications for husbands, wives, and kids out of a general principle, a general principle that's really for all of us, and that's in you find that right before this list starts in Ephesians five is Ephesians five twenty one. It says, "Submit to one another." out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. You know, everyone is to submit to everyone in your family. That's what this is saying. And to really look at, you know, look for ways that they can really help each other with what really concerns them. And just a, a dedication to really use your time and your energy and your resources to really help them with what it is that concerns them. And it says do this out of reverence for Christ. He said, not out of reverence for each other, but out of reverence for Christ and what Jesus really did for you and really did for us. 
because that is what Jesus really did for us. He, you know, one thing that Jesus did with his disciples and for us, he says, you know, he really put us before himself. He really put, he put us before himself and he put them before himself. You see that in John chapter 13, when it says that Jesus, realizing that all authority and power were his, he washed the disciples' feet. And then he set the example. So he set the example of that. And the example he set was that, you know, the more power you have, the more resources you have, the more you can really help. The more, the more resources and power that you have is the more you can really help. And so connecting to Jesus' kindness toward us really helps us to really pass that on to our families. So connecting to Jesus' kindness, it really helps us really pass that on to our families. You know, when a family is following Jesus in that example and really submitting to one another, you know, they're, they're, one thing they're communicating to each other is, I'm here for you. I'm here for you, and I'm here to use whatever I have for your benefit. I'm here for you, and I'm here to use whatever I have for your benefit. Now, that's, that's a very powerful family dynamic. In fact, just think of what that dynamic, what that impact that dynamic would have in your family right now. It just if, if each person more and more were really looking to just say, I'm here for you and I'm, I'm willing to put anything I have to help you, what impact that would have on your family? In fact, what impact would that have on your company? You know, just think about the teams you're on at work. Uh, just think about what it would be like if everyone just had that attitude. Um, just think about maybe just groups of friends that you have or the neighborhood you live in. It's just a very powerful relational dynamic that Paul's talking about, and he specifically applies it to family, like what it looks like in family. And that, that relational dynamic is really at the heart of cooperation. That's really, that's really what it is. And Andy, Andy Stanley, he, off, he, looks at this, he looks at this concept, and he offers up a question that I want to share with you guys today. And that question is... Uh, just very helpful. It's a question that if everyone in your family would ask that question, the family dynamic would really change. And the question is simply this. What can I do to help? What can I do to help? <clears throat> you know, if you're, if you're a parent and your kids came up and asked you, hey, what can I do to help? After you woke up and came back, <laughs> they, they, they brought you back to consciousness, uh, you, would, you would be totally blown away by that. Just, you know, kids, what can I do to help? And if you, you know, if you ask your kids that question, hey, guys, what, what can I do to help? It really, it really helps them understand that you really care about them and, and what their concerns are. And it really, it also just helps them, it helps conversations with them from going negative all the time. You know, you're not always just correcting them. You're actually finding ways to really help them with what it is they're concerned with. And then if wives, if, if you ask your husbands that question, what what can I do to help? Then what you're communicating to them is that you really understand that he's carrying a load of responsibility. And you're saying, what can I take off of your shoulders so that you can really do what it is you need to do? It just, it really, it really, it pulls people together. And then husbands, if you were to ask this question of your wife, it really opens the door for communication. It really opens the door for communication. It opens the door so that she what you're communicating is that you're really willing to use the resources and the time and the energy that you have to really help her with the things that really concern her. And that's just a, just a very, very powerful, powerful thing. And asking that question, but, you know, when you ask that question, there's something about when you go, what can I do to help? There's a fear that comes with that. 
Uh, some of those, some of those, some of those fears would be, well, um, what if someone takes advantage of me? Or maybe a fear would just be, someone might ask me to do what I don't want to do. You know, that's that's a very common. When when I ask that question, when I anytime I ask that question, there's that fear with me, is man, what what if they ask me something I don't want to do? Like, honey, could you wash the dishes? You know, that's. That's one of those things that gets real when you're like, hey, can I help around here? Yeah, could you uh, wash the car and mow the lawn and wash the dishes? Well, I didn't know it could be that specific. I was going to be, <laughs> I was I was thinking more of a general feeling I was conveying there. But, you know, it just makes, it just makes, it makes all the difference uh, when you do that. But what it does is it puts the pressure right on the point that we're talking about today. It's that selfishness, having what I want. When you ask that question, it puts you right where you need to be to address the problem, and that the problem of stubborn, of stubborn selfishness and having what you want. And then, uh, but one thing I've noticed in my life, because I, you know, I've done this both ways. I I have done it where, I've done it where I've done the right thing and I've really helped people and I've really seen the benefits of that. And I've done the wrong thing where I've really just kind of looked out for my own interests and I, and I've really seen the benefits of that. I've kind of seen how those go and I. It's for me every time. It's something I have to decide. But when you do, when you decide uh, to really face that fear of doing what you don't want to do, the, what I found is there's usually an opportunity to make a real difference. There's usually an opportunity to make a real difference in someone's life. You know, several several years ago, uh, Patrick, when Patrick was uh, my, it's my oldest son, he's, he was 12 years old. He was in seventh grade. And I can't believe I had to say several years ago for that, but it doesn't seem like it. But he was in seventh grade, and they do something every year. Uh, it's a group project, and it's building a castle. They had to build a castle from scratch. So all my kids have built castles, and they all had very different, all different uh, mindsets on how to do that. Well, with Patrick, you know, he he decided, uh, you know, he decided he wanted to make it out of wood. His group got together, and they had these ideas. Some of these ideas were like, "Wow, I don't think that's physically possible." And they would, they say, we want to use this material, and, I, and I'm trying to figure out how they're going to do that. And in my mind, I thought, you know what, I'm going to, I need to really jump in and just help, just kind of provide some input and help for them to get going. And then I, I had a real t- struggle with myself because at the time I was, I was working, I was a project manager as an engineer, and I was leading several teams, and it was just, there was a lot of pressure going on, and I was connecting with some guys outside of work, and and then just the thought of a couple of nights spending, I just thought, like, man, I just, I just want to come home and I just want to relax. That's just that's what I want to do. And then, <clears throat> then I, I I just I made the decision. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna help him. So hey, buddy, how do you? Uh, what's your what's your thoughts on this? You want to make it out of wood? So how how big does it have to be? He goes, well, I asked the teacher, it can only it can be any bigger than four desks, like built together. I went that big? Oh my gosh! So he went for the max, and so. <laughs> It was like a sheet of plywood. It was like half a sheet of plywood. So it was like four by four. And to be able for them to build that, I realized he needs just some building blocks. He wanted to build that wood, so I, I went to Home Depot. We got some plywood, and I had a table saw at the time. And so I ran through the table saw. I kind of figured out, I got on my CAD system, computer-aided drafting system, and figured out the angles. And then I, I set that angle on the table saw. I kind of just cut these things to where he could have something to build with bunch of building materials just kind of left that out there for his team the next day and so then I go to work 
and his team was going to work after after school. Well, then he, uh, I come home from work, and I come from work, I saw a very interesting scene. And if any of you have ever done a group project, you've probably seen some things that I've seen. Um, there's always someone who works really hard and someone who tries very hard not to work very hard. And then there's some people who go, are they on this team? I don't think I've ever met them. Um, so anyway, I come home, and what I, just several things I noticed right off the bat. One I noticed is that Patrick was building a castle. And it was like a we had this work table set up, and he was building this castle. And I looked over and I saw one of another guy, some kids I hadn't met before, saw a kid walking on a retaining wall, balancing, doing this. And I'm like, I'm wondering how that really helps with the project. And and then uh, I see, I, as I walk up, I realize someone's in our garage. I'm like, what's he doing in our garage? He's like rummaging around. Uh, later on, actually, like the next day, he grabbed a skateboard out of our garage and fell down in our front yard and broke his tooth. So I'm like... You know, there's a lot of danger to not sticking with the program and helping the group. So so then uh, I see this. I come in. I go, buddy, how you doing? He goes, I'm, do- I'm doing good. All right. All right. Uh, hey, uh, is, are these the only guys helping? He goes, well, no, there's a couple guys in the house. I went, they're in the house? Okay. So then I, I walked in the house, and uh, I go in the house, and there's two guys playing video games. And so I, I walked up, and I, I just kind of tapped the couch a little bit, and they looked up at me. They looked at me like, you know, kind of, and all of a sudden, it's it's someone tall and old. And and I just said, uh, hey, uh, guys, are you, uh, you guys supposed to be building a castle? I think they're building a castle out in the front yard. I bet you guys could help them if you wanted to. Oh, uh, yeah, well, yeah, we were, uh, well, Patrick gave us a break. I went, Okay. Okay, Patrick gave us a break. And so, anyway, so then I, you know, they, they really saw Patrick as the de facto leader. So as we, uh, I told him, hey, guys, you, you go out there and help. So they go out there to start helping. And eventually, they did finish that. After a couple of days, they actually finished that castle. And we carried it into the, we carried it in. And we, as we carried it in, we had to turn it sideways to get it through the door because it was so huge. So we, uh, one thing, as as Patrick and I talked about that, it opened up some real opportunities for me to just to share some things and talk with him about some things. One thing is, it, one opportunity it gave me is it gave me an opportunity to catch him doing something right. Um, he he was working on that castle even when no one else was. So I called that out, and I told him, buddy, you know what? You did really well. I'm proud of you. You were the one. You were working, and that's what that's what you do. In fact, if you want to grow to be a leader, you really have to be the one who does what needs to be done, and you're the one who sets the pace. And then I also just helped him learn some things about being a member, a member of a team. You know, he, uh, I said, buddy, how did you feel when no one showed up? And I, he said, well, not so good. And I said, well, buddy, you always want to be a guy on the team that's the one pulling his weight and setting the pace. And then one thing I was just able to really communicate with him is just how he could really affect how things turned out. He's not. He can actually work at something and really affect how it turns out. He really make he make a difference. And so that would, what I almost what I almost said no to, actually was just a real opportunity to really share some things, and help Patrick understand an experience that he just had, and it just made it made a lot of difference. And I found I found that 
the more, as a parent, the more we ask how can we help, the more involved you can get in your kids' lives. If we'll, uh, if we'll go ahead and obey God by submitting ourselves to one another and follow Jesus' example in that, then we really will have a better family life. We'll have better relationships and we'll have better, much more cooperation. And we'll actually enjoy one another and be able to get things done. It will cost. It'll cost some time. It'll cost some money. It'll cost some sweat, possibly, some frustration. But uh, if we'll just ask that question, what can I do to help? It'll really, really make a difference. So to make to have a real great family, you know, it's a, a great family is one where everyone in the family, they're willing to give all of them. They're willing to give all of me to us. They're willing to give all of me to us. There really isn't us. So I want to I want us to watch uh, I want us to watch a, a, a movie clip here uh, real quick. It's a it's a it's a clip from a movie called Family Man. I don't know if any of you guys have seen it. Uh, it's it's about 18 years old now, but uh, it's back when Nicolas Cage had a little more hair. Uh, but uh, essentially, it's a, it's a it's a story. It's kind of like it's kind of like a uh, it's a Wonderful Life kind of story where he actually he 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 walks away from a relationship because he's going to just have what he wants and he's looking for his own success and he leaves this relationship and he does it he achieves uh, he becomes a very successful man but he has no one in his life and so then there's a person that shows up and he says I'm going to show you what it'd be like if you actually had not said no to that relationship and saw how it all turned out and so when he when he, he puts him back into another whole framework of if he had actually kept that relationship and he winds up being married he has kids and he's learning the real value and the real purposefulness that his life could have had if he had not done that. But he's really struggling through the whole movie from what he really wants and this new life with the family. And he's pulled, he wants to take his whole family, he wants to move them to the city so that he can get the same success that he used to have. And so this whole movie, he's like being pulling them to what he really wants to do. And so I'd like you just to watch this clip and watch his wife and her response. Uh, to the fact that he wants to move the family. You know, I think about the decision you made. Maybe I was being naive, but I believed that we would grow old together in this house. That we'd spend holidays here and have our grandchildren come visit us here. I had this image of us all gray and wrinkly and me working in the garden and you repainting the deck. But things change. If you need this, Jack, if you really need this, I will take these kids from a life they love, and I'll take myself from the only home we've ever shared together, and I'll move wherever you need to go. I'll do that because I love you. I love you, and that's more important to me than our address.
I choose us. A family that says, I choose us, is a family that we all want to be a part of. And this, this is uh, by submitting ourselves to one another and really asking, how can I help, really does put us, put us to the, that, into that arena. You know, fam- as, I, as I close uh, this morning, you know, family filibusters really come from this wrong thought. This, this wrong thought is this. If I can just get everyone to do what I want to do, then I'll be happy. If I could just get everyone to do what I want to do, then I'll be happy. And the answer is no, it won't. Uh, in fact, actually, it leads to a, a lack of cooperation and really all the damage that we talked about earlier. It leads to a lot of damage. But happiness in our family is actually it comes from this submitting ourselves to one another and everyone in the family really leveraging their time and their talent and their treasure for the sake of everyone else, really being an us. So this week, let's let's move away from the family filibusters and let's ask that question to one another. What can I do to help? So with that, I'd like to ask the band to go ahead and come back up as I go through some next steps. And if you haven't finished filling out your connection card, you can go ahead and, and do that. You know, maybe... Maybe for you, a next step today is just to identify ways that you're causing family filibusters. Maybe you never saw them that way. Uh, maybe, maybe for you, a next step is just connecting to God's kindness towards you and really pass it on to your family. And just really ask that question, uh, what can I do to help? And maybe God's really brought something else to your mind today as you're listening. I'd really encourage you to take action on that. So with that, let me pray and we'll get back to uh, the service. God, I just uh, just thank you for what you do in our lives and just thank you for the just the way that you have really moved and leveraged your resources for us. And God, I just pray that you'd really enable us to love one another, submit to one another, and really help us develop the families that you would truly want us to have. In Jesus' name, amen.